They tried to stop my shine, but I said, hold up. Y'all know how many hoes done tried to hold this hoe up. Tokyo music. You know where you are, cause it's where you at. You know where you are, cause it's where you at. Ha, ha, ha. I said you know where you are, cause it's where you at. You know where you are, cause it's where you at. <laughs> what's up, y'all? What's up? What's up? What's up? I'm here once again. It's your boy Craig Seymour with Craig's Pop Life, a black gay excursion into pop culture. You know what it is, and you know me. I've been writing for more than 20 years. I'm not new to this shit. Um, you can catch up with my music writing at rnbeing.com. Uh, or you could check out my one of my many books. Uh, you could check out my biography of Luther Vandross called, appropriately, Luther, The Life and Longing of Luther Vandross. And if you have read it, please tell a friend because there are still apparently people out there on Al Gore's internets who are acting like they don't know that it's out or that what I have done for the brother. So please do tell a friend. Or you could catch, you could read my memoir about being a stripper hoe while in grad school. That one's called, I said, I feel like Don Cornelius. And we call this number on the Simon Schuster label. <laughs> All I could bear my life on my life in the strip clubs of gay Washington, D.C. And if that's not enough, you could check out my novel. Who's your daddy? About three generations of black gay men looking for that good, good. You know, that good love. That love will last a lifetime. Love of a lifetime. Like my, That's a single by my fave, Shaka. Or, you can, if you're a future-looking somebody, you could check out my forthcoming special, A Critical Meditation on the Life and Artistry of Janet Jackson. I had to push it back two weeks for some production mess, which, you know, no need to even get into because as of April 9th, it won't be no rel- of no relevance because the book will be out on April 9th, simultaneous ebook, simultaneous paperback. So it's all going to be good and you can pre-order that. You can at least pre-order the ebook if you'd like on the good Amazon.com. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining me today. I want to thank all the new people that have found me through iTunes. Big up to iTunes, big up to adding black gay into the title of it instead of just the description because apparently all the algorithms and shit, like that's helped. So, you know, bless that. So, you know, what I do this week is what I always do. I just run down what I'm into, you know, in, in the pop culture landscape. Now, musically, musically is the topic that I usually talk about the most, but honestly, this week, I haven't been listening to much new. Um, be honest with you, I'm still my two most played albums of the current day. I'm still on that Two Chains. I love that Two Chains album. Um, last time I was on Threat to Society, and I still really love that joint. But now I really love um, Two Dollar Bill with Lil Wayne and E40. That's just hot. It's like I'm rare, like a Two Dollar Bill. 
and who ain't, right? Don't we all sometimes just need to look in the mirror and just go, I'm rare. Because too many times and too many forces in this world will try to tell you you're not, right? And we need something to sometimes tell us that we are. We sometimes need to tell ourselves, remind ourselves of the uniqueness of us. Because truth of the matter is, I don't care what industry you're in, I don't care what you're doing, all you can really have that somebody else can't copy and somebody else can't do, somebody else can't be, is you. You know, I think RuPaul said it on last, not this week's Drag Race, meaning the one that came on earlier and when I'm speaking to you, but I think he said last week something like, you know, he figured out who he was, and the minute he did that, he became, you know, that bad bitch, and he's been the baddest bitch in the game for over 20 years, and that's the truth. So why am I even talking about that? Oh, yeah, because the 2 Chain song is dope, so if you need you a little pick-me-up, if you need, you know, somebody doesn't do you right at the workplace or in your personal life or something that put your good headphones on play two dollar bill by two chains and that'll get you right so um i'm also still listening to that solange i know a lot of people can't get with it i understand i understand but let me expound a little bit on um you know what i talked about when i did the whole episode review of um of the album and what I explained it to, because it's still the type of album. I still I work in a co-working space, and I'd be playing it out loud sometimes. Not supposed to, but I'd be doing it. And, you know, every now and then, like, a sister walked by, and like, oh, do you like that? And then I have to break into my whole spiel. And my thing is, I think the album perfectly encapsulates. It's like a perfect musical response to this era, this crazy Trump. But it's not just about Trump, because it's like Trump is like... You know, he's like galvanizing forces that were already kind of on the low and just, you know, doing all sorts of horrible stuff. And so many people are like, there are no songs on it, there are no songs on it. And they don't realize, like Solange has said, that what she had to say on this album, it wasn't about words. It was about music and about the feeling. And I just thought that was so true to our times. Because think about it, like, what do words mean in a climate where the so-called leader of the free world tell lies all, all the time. Words don't really, words have lost their meaning, right? Um, so I think the appropriate musical response to that is, you know, because I know for me and, and a lot of people, I know a lot of times when the shit gets too much, you know, just everything with the shootings and the Russian stuff and just when the shit gets too fucking much, as the shit will often do. Um, where do you retreat? Like, I know I retreat to home. I retreat to the familiar. I retreat to the things that I've loved for a long time that kind of take me to a place where it wasn't so, um, where it just didn't feel like such a struggle. You know, and I feel like that's what Solange is doing on this album too, because what her comfort is, what she considers home, is the sights and sounds of Black Houston. And that's what you get on this album. You just get an amalgamation of, that's what the song titles are about, that's what the sounds are about. So, you know, I'm still preaching the Solange when I get home gospel. It just is so meaningful to me right now. And as I've recommended in the past, I really recommend watching the whole video album, but I can't good in, in good conscience recommend anybody signing up for that damn shitty-ass Apple Music if you don't already have it. I mean, I did it, but fuck it, and I'm not doing it for two months. So somebody better, you know, fucking bootleg that shit and put it on torrents or screen grab it, screen flow or something, because I'm not... Um, 
you know, but I still need to watch it. But the videos from the album are slowly creeping online. Like, I'm going to put this on my website, craigspoplife.com. The clip for Stay Flow, um, which is one of my favorite songs on the album, that's now out. And that's a really hot one. So, um, again, still on that salon tip. TV-wise, you know I'll be watching, but there's nothing really, really new this week um, that was new, you know, I I don't I still have I'm not sure what my opinion is on Project Runway this season, so I'm kind of holding that because I'm one of those people I haven't watched it in I don't know how long. Um, last Runway show I watched, remember when we Rihanna had a style show where people were picking what was that called? Something like Would You Dress Rihanna? I love that show. Um, but anyway, I can't even remember what it's called. But I, that's the last time I watched anything where people are cutting and sewing and styling and anything like that. You know, that before the real early Tim. Um, What's my name? Tim Gunn and um and what's 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 the model's name? Um, Clum, Heidi Clum. You know, and they were watching. But I'm back on this new one, and you know, I'm gonna check it out. And if I have an opinion, I will share that. Uh, but otherwise, I'm just on the same shit. I'm still loving Boomerang. They did a Pride episode this week, which was very cute. But goddamn, like, remember I told y'all last week that I had given up on American Soul? I know while I was watching Boomerang, they showed a preview of an upcoming American Soul. It ain't have no dancing. It ain't have no Don Cornelius. Ain't had nothing to do with Soul Train the show. It was just a bunch of arguing and shooting. So that show has really gone left. I mean, anytime you're watching a preview for a Soul a show based around Soul Train, you don't see no singing. You don't see no Soul Train set. You don't see nobody dancing. That's a real sign that the show has taken a turn. So I feel justified in moving away from it because it's too much. Um, now, the interesting thing about this week is I have a lot to say about movies, which I rarely have anything to, to say about movies because I'm not the type of guy that has a 90 minute to look my phone going on. Child, I just paid $12.99 through PayPal to iTunes and apps. I wonder what that's about. But anyway, um, I don't have the 90 minute to two hour type attention span. So I don't really do movies for the most part. Or if I have an attention span like that, I like it broken up. Like I'm good with a mini series. I can watch an hour here and I can watch an hour there. But um, like I drive friends crazy if watching a movie at home because I, you know, always stopping it. Like it'll start and I'm like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. Hold up. And then I stop again. It's like, oh, let me get me a drink. And then if I got the drink, you know, it ain't going to be long, another half, good half an hour or so because I'm a man of this particular age. Well, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom again. So, you know, I stay with, I mean, I don't even put, ever put the remote down. I stay with the pause. But, um, you know, and, and people don't even go, I don't go see movies with people a lot of times because I'm the type of person. I don't, it doesn't even have to be like I don't like the movie, but if it just loses my interest, if I just start thinking of other things, like maybe, you know, I start thinking about the restaurant across the street that has some nice tacos or just anything, or I need to pick up my clothes from the laundromat, I'll just leave the movie, and I just don't feel any type of way about it. Like um, that Oceans with Rihanna in it, like about 30 minutes in, I was just like, you know, I really don't care if they pull off this heist, if they do what, I, I just don't care. As much as I love Rihanna, I just didn't care. So I just got up and left. It wasn't even like I was mad at the movie or would say the movie was bad or anything like that. Like, I don't even know. I just, you know, felt like going. So I left. So all that to say, I'm not a huge movie person, but I saw two movies today, two movies today, child, two movies this week that were very entertaining. Um, first, I watched, just randomly, I watched this Netflix movie called Triple Frontier, and I can't even remember why I was watching it, but um, 
you know, I wasn't expecting much. It was one of those things I think I was watching. Y'all know I'm kind of an insomniac and I kind of work very, very late. So a lot of times around 6 a.m., you know, between like 4 and 6 a.m. or something, I'll be just trying to put something on just to kind of go to sleep. So I started watching it and it was much better than I expected. It was really, really pretty good, pretty engaging for one of those um, One Last Heist type films. You know, it involves the military special forces, and I've been kind of obsessed with the military special forces forces since that show, The Unit. Did anybody watch that show? I used to love that show. I used to be like, like I would not do anything. And it came on on Sunday, so it wouldn't air until after all the NFL nonsense went on. I wouldn't go make plans to go anywhere. Like, I had to see that show when it was on and everything. I love that show. Had Regina, I'll Fly Away Taylor in it, acting her ass and everybody else in the cast's asses off. Um, Dennis Haysbert holding it down. And then my favorite character was Mac, um, played by Max Martini. So I just really love that show. Um, and... And, you know, so anyway, so just that whole special forces thing kind of got me interested in um, Triple Frontier, which stars Ben Affleck, who I don't give a shit about, but, you know, whatever, he was in it. And apparently when I was just doing a little research on it, it has like really one of these long Hollywood histories that the film has been kicking around. And at various times it was um, supposed to star Tim, Tim Hanks, Tom Hanks, Johnny Depp with his crazy drunk ass. Uh, Will Smith, Channing Tatum with his fine ass, and um, Mahershala Ali, but they all dropped out, you know, for various reasons, you know. I mean, I guess Mahershala was too busy not researching the real life of Dr. Don Shirley for the Green Book, and, um, you know, that still irritates me. And irritates You know what irritates me? Because th- when I went to see Us... Uh, this week, the theater cross was playing the green book, so I was kind of re reminded of the book. And um, I guess you don't have to be re reminded of something because that's, um, that's um, what's the word? Not, um, re- that's redundant. But anyway, I was reminded of that mess. Because um, my thing is, this is just my thing about like the responsibility of a black creative, okay? How are you going as an actor? An Oscar-winning actor at that. So you had you you are picky about your shit. You are not just taking any old thing. You are like choosing what to take that's going to build on your legacy, whatever, what have you. How are you gonna get a script about a distinguished black man that is written by two white men? Now, one white man who is the son of the main white guy in the pick. So you know this, he has some investment in portraying things a certain type of way that way. So you know all this, okay? How are you going to go into that situation and not do your research? Not talk to the family and go, is this right? Is this, you know? To me, that's just so irresponsible. Um, and just so goes so against what I thought about Mahershala was because I, you know, I had this image of Mahershala as being just this, you know, just the utmost thorough thespian, you know, like just somebody that really does his research. And so I was just so disappointed in what went down with that. And, um, you know, he could have come to the table with his research, come to notes and like, oh, no, Dr. Shirley did not do that. Dr. Shirley actually did this and stuff like that. I mean, that is, I think, our role as black creatives, when we're doing things in collaboration with um, white creatives, it's like the our first before we even worry about our performance or anything like that. First and foremost, we have to 
we have to make sure the black shit is right. Like, is the black shit right? Whether it's the black shit dealing with us, the black shit dealing with somebody else, just is the black shit right? I mean, I think that is a responsibility just from our people. That's like an ancestral shit responsibility. I mean, we just have, that's how we have to do it. Get the black shit right. And then we can worry about other things. So I felt like he really was at fault in that situation for not getting the black shit right. And, you know, but whatever. He apologized to the family. They accepted it, you know, whatever, whatever. And then Miss Octavia, I don't even know what to say about, well, I have something else to say about Sis later, so we can just skip over her. But going back to Triple Frontier, it's really, really suspenseful um, and entertaining. It's a cute weekend watch. And it also stars Charlie Hunnam, who has day one straight boy gay cred, because, you know, he was in the original with and the only one I acknowledge, um, British queer as folk. And like one of the first, one of his first scenes on the screen was him, you know, laying on his stomach, getting his ass ate, you know, on TV. So I'm saying like, that's, you know, not every straight boy is going to make his big TV debut, getting his ass ate. So he always has credibility in my book for that. And then he was sexy ass Jack's teller on the biker drama, and one of my all-time favorite shows, uh, Sons of Anarchy. And the good fellow gay brother, director, producer, Parlis Barclay, he directed a number of episodes of Sons of Anarchy. And brother was always good for a well-lit Hunnam ass shot. Like, you see Hunnam out of the shower, gets good ass. The ass was always well-lit, so well-lit and so well-cinematographied that you would be seeing, like, the peach fuzz on the ass, like... Paris by Clay does excellent drama. He is excellent, especially those crime things like The Shield and others. He does excellent work with that, but he is also good for some good ass. And I appreciate your brother for that. Um, so all that to say, with Triple Frontier, you get the suspense, you get some good eye candy. So I would check it out. And it's one of those good, you know, like I said, one last score type of um, films that are always sort of interesting. Um, you know, kind of Jackie Brown. It's just that one last, trying to get that one last thing, you know. Um, so the other movie I saw was The Long Awaited Us, and there will be no spoilers for that. But, um, let me just say on backstory about my feelings toward Get Out. And, you know, this might be a spoiler of Get Out, but I assume that if you haven't seen it after two damn years, you ain't that pressed. So, um... I mean, pause if you need to, but whatever. Uh, and, but I, I mean, and I'm not even going to be that specific, but all I'm saying is like, I really did not like the ending of that movie. And it kind of messed up the whole film for me, messed up the sort of social implication of the whole film, because I just did not buy that two old rich white people would have wanted to come back as black servants. I just didn't buy that. That just doesn't make sense to me at all. And like, I could have bought it maybe if you had seen the servants, like, you know, I don't know, kicking it up with the the, the other members of the family, like not in the servant role. So you saw them kind of outside of that. But that would, have, of course, ruin the twist. But I mean, they were straight up servants. I mean, granddaddy was doing yard work and like uh, grandmama was um, serving drinks and whatnot. So I. That just didn't make any sense to me. So, you know, I was always just all right on Get Out. I, it, you know, I got like sunken places, a metaphor, blah, 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 blah. But 
it just didn't quite hold for me because of that very thing that just did not make sense. Um, so first of all, let's just start with Us. You know, I was really excited about Us, especially because Lapita was in it, you know. But based on my um, Get Out experience, you know, I had that one eyebrow ready to be raised. Uh, so, you know, I was walking in there just kind of a little bit like, you know, I'm open, but, you you know, I'm open, but that kind of attitude. Um, now, first of all, to answering the important pressing question, should your ass get there in time for the previews? So I'll talk a little bit about the previews I saw and whether or not it's worth it. Like, should you skip the popcorn? Or in my case, if you're at the Regal um, South Beach, should you skip your frozen vanilla Coke with Jack? You know, um, but that's a very important skip. So that's why, you know, what I say about these previews is has meaning. Um, the first one I saw was for Dark Phoenix, a story that's really near and dear to my heart because I was like 12 when the original Claremont um, Byrne comics dropped. And for me, like, it was just the greatest story, you know, that I had ever experienced, you know, reading the comics month after month because um, I was buying them as they came on. You know, I'd find out the day they got in the comic book store, I would get it and I would just be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What's Phoenix? Oh, my God. She's getting worse. She's getting worse. The Hellfire Club. I I'm losing it. You know, and it was really just one of the best stories that I had experienced at that point in my life, topping anything I'd ever seen on TV, topping even Star Wars and the movies. Like, it really opened me up to the power of storytelling, um, especially serial storytelling. Um, it really opened me up to just the possibilities of how deep you can go with character development and how you can um, have a character come to an inevitable change that is that is heartbreaking, but it's inevitable. It has to happen, but you're just like screaming no the whole time, even though you know that it's going to happen. And just the emotional power of tragedy. I mean, and they'd really dealt with, the, in the comic books, they really dealt with the aftermath and everything. So it was just a very emotional experience for me, um, you know, as I guess not even a teenager, only 12, not a teenager, but it probably lasted into the 13s, so in my preteens and teens. So, you know, this movie, of course, I was um, excited about it, but immediately I just kind of got a little nervous about it because all I seemed to be hearing about it was like they were pushing the movie back, then they were um, making changes to the story, and it's like, why fuck, you don't freestyle a classic, do you know what I'm saying? Like, stick with the shit as written. Um, why would do you know Harry Potter that shit? Do you know what I'm saying? Hunger Games that shit. Like stick to the shit. But um, and then talking about all the reshoots they had to do. So I'm not optimistic. I mean, this trailer that they showed in front of us was like the best trailers of the trailers that I've seen for the film. But you know, and I'm gonna go see it. But again, you know that good old eyebrow will be ready to arch. Um, then they showed a clip for Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in America, and yes, he's problematic, but Jackie Brown is still in my top three, so I will be there day of. Um, then there's this film. Have y'all heard of it? It's interesting because I had never really heard of it that much, but then watching TV, what was I watching? I guess I was watching RuPaul's Drag Race after the movie, and they showed a trailer for it, so I'm not breaking no trailer news. But it's this film called The Best of Enemies. Which is, you know, brace yourselves, about the friendship between a civil rights activist, played by Taraji, and a KKK member, played by Sam Rockwell. 
Now, it's supposedly based upon a true story, which for me just means that it's only going to take some BuzzFeed writer one good, you know, perfunctory Google search to probably debunk half of it. But, you know, it's supposed to be based on some true story. And yes, the whole fucking film is written and directed by a white man. I'm so fucking tired of these type of movies. I don't know what to do. Like, I just don't. Why do white people have such a need to see big screen black folks befriend them? Like, why we got to be friends on screen? Like, if you really that pressed for black friends, leave the theater and actually make a black friend. Or at the very least, support a film about black people by black people. That's an act of friendship as far as I'm concerned. You know, I'm just tired. Like, I don't know. I don't understand the impulse to keep making these films. I don't understand why in such a racist climate and with like Republicans still supporting Trump to such a degree that these movies keep being perpetuated. It's like it's because they reinforce the myths that these people have that, you know, race relations are much better and everything's fine and everything's fine. They convince their, themselves of that, of the, that shit by watching these shitty-ass movies, and then they go ahead and, you know, politically do everything against the interests of black people because they don't assume that – they don't see that racism is a problem because Green Book or this new shit. So I'm just – you know, and the thing that bugs me too is like in the press for all these films, and it was in this one too – there's always somebody talking about, oh, this is an untold story that needs to be told. Bitch, where? Bitch, where? Because from my vantage point, these are the only stories being told. So how, what, what is not being told? Please. You know, it's, and especially the story is being told over and over from the vantage point of a white person. Because, again, this was written and directed by white people. So I'm through. I'm not seeing that shit. I don't even want to see the trailer for that shit. I'm I'm over it. Um, but and another one that I will not be seeing another horror film is that Ma horror movie with problematic ass Octavia Spencer. You know, with her problem. I mean, child, when Green, I forget what the Green Book won with this. It was like the Golden Globe. Tell somebody asked a racial question. She jumped in front of the white people, like she was saving the white. But jumped in front of them. Oh, I'll answer this as if. She is she as if the white people could not be left to be held accountable for their fucking film. She, as a producer, is going to jump in front of them and answer the question. And then she says some wild shit like she liked the film because of the idea it plays. Well, this was a film dealing with an actual black man. You don't reduce the life or distort the life of an actual black man for some fucking idea that you have. What kind of bullshit is that? So anyway, so obviously I'm a little hot about her. And so there's this Mahar film, and it's her terrorizing a bunch of white teenagers. You know, what's in and of itself, whatever. But from the trailer, it looks like she's obsessed with the kids because they're the children of white folks that she was obsessed with in high school. So I'm like, this is too damn much. I can't even deal with the racial implications of the fucking trailer, much less once the movie comes out. But then I thought about it, and then I was like, well, I guess that's right for Octavia Spencer, because every single role she's taken has shown that she's been obsessed with white folks. So this is just another, this is just a horror take on her being obsessed with white folks. So whatever. Um, but the films I will be seeing that I saw trailers for, of course, I'm going to see Little, 
with Issa and Marseille Martin from Blackish and the always brilliant Regina Hall. I hope y'all have seen Support the Girls by this point. I've been talking about Support the Girls. Barack Obama liked support put that on one of his favorite as one of those favorite films last year now i'm telling y'all see the movie the two the title is stupid the trailer is trash but the movie is really really good so you know you have a little bit of a couple of weeks before little comes out and i know y'all i want to see it because the um you know the commercial and trailers be funny so just say okay well i'm gonna warm up for it by seeing don't warm up for it by watching girls trip for the 1500th time go ahead and um you know, um, on demand or go to your little, what's it called? The red box or whatever. And check out support the girls. And the other film I'm seeing that I had never, I mean, I heard of, but I hadn't seen anything from is this new shaft reboot done by Kenya Barris, the creator of blackish and grownish. And it looks funny as hell with Samuel L. Jackson, the shaft, um, somebody named Jesse Usher, who I don't know, plays Shaft's son, who's not as cool as Shaft, which is funny. And then the OG Shaft, Richard Roundtree, is also in it. So I'm thinking that's going to be a really good movie. So I'm up for that. Um, So all that to say, you know, like I'm saying, like, don't miss anything to see the trailers. But, you know, if if you're not doing anything and you're not, yeah, I mean, it's weird, like, picking up your pace a little bit to go to the ticket line or whatever to see the trailers. I think they're, you know, trailers to are worth watching now as for the movie um i thought it's a really really entertaining suspenseful thriller with excellent performances all around like it is a very entertaining movie i don't think anybody will see it and be like disappointed if you're going to see a horror film and you just want that horror film thrill you'll get that and it's also done with great acting so that is what it is that is what it is. Um, you know, don't be looking for nothing too deep or anything like that. It's not all that in terms of something you need to be thinking about. You don't need to be, you know, boning up on your black history or reading Du Bois or other, you know, traditional black thinkers or anything to get deep into some, you know, meaning of what the us could be. Just watch it as a thriller and you'll be cool. Um, and, you know... Oh, but one thing, do not do, like, it is a straight-up horror, scary-ass film. Do not drag your friend who likes, who hates scary movies because, oh, it's Lapita and it's black. No, 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 no. That person would be mad as fuck at you. They will not be fucking with you after the film. They will not be buying you drinks if y'all go to the bar after the film. It's a scary fucking movie. Don't, you know, black film them. Don't, it's Lapita's in it them. It's it's fucking scary. Um, and what else? Let me see. So then most important, I think, you know, I'm putting it on the Craig scale of will the, mov- will the movie experience be enhanced if I see it in a black theater? Now, one is it don't matter if you see it around white folk. And five is all black everything. Okay, so I would definitely give us a good five because, like most horror films, this one is, is would definitely is definitely better with some good old black vernacular commentary from the audience. So I would definitely say, you know, if given the choice, if given that option, I would go see it where you know there's gonna be some black folk around you. Um. So like um, 
And what did I say? Now, the only thing that I think, this isn't really specific to us, but this is just general. The only thing about this kind of new burgeoning genre of, you know, black horror films and black sci-fi films and stuff like that. The only thing I think is bad about it is I think we as black people have lost a certain moral authority to judge the way white folks act in films. Because in these new type films, we be doing the same stupid shit. So we can't say, oh, black person would never do that's white person. Only a white person. No, we doing this, this in this in the horror films with us. We doing the same stupid shit. Um, you know, we looking around stuff, looking under stuff, looking in stuff, looking behind shit, looking. You know, what's that noise? Shit, and you know all that who outside shit. We're doing all that dumb ass business that we had no business doing, that we thought in other films white folks be doing, but now we doing, ooh, what's that noise? Let me run and see what it is. Oh, you know, ooh, what's that? That kind of type of dumb shit, now we doing it. So we can't judge anymore because we doing it. Um, That shit like standing too still for a long-ass reaction shot when we know we need to be running or we know we need to be helping somebody, but we just standing there looking terrified for, you know, for five or ten seconds just because, you know, that dumb shit. We doing that now, y'all. Um, and then take it too long just to fucking kill somebody. Like, you know, the whole shit where, like, you got the person you need to kill right in front of you. But instead of just, you know, shooting them or slamming something in them or whatever, you know, you standing there, like, showing your anger and showing how, like, passionate you are about having to kill this person and, oh, how this is just such a big... Kill the bitch. Shoot the bitch. You can't just be standing around somebody contemplating in a life and death situation. Kill the person. You can have all your rest of your life to be contemplating it. Don't be contemplating killing somebody if you're in a self-defense situation. Move. Kiss. And that is no part of self, a self-defense class I've ever heard of. You know, they don't say, okay, step back, contemplate, and then kick the mugger in the nuts or something like that. It's, no, if somebody's mugging you, you know, go for them eyes or something. Go for them balls. Contemplating don't have nothing to do with it. Um, so, you know, but again, now it used to be like we, um, it used to be like other people used, we used to judge when other people did that dumb shit. Now we doing it. So I guess that's, I guess that's progress, y'all. I guess, you know. There's something to say, you know, for as many steps we make ahead, there's some things lost. And like like I said, we have lost our moral authority to judge white folks' reactions in horror films. It's just one of them things. Um, so basically, you know, so like I said, I think it's really, really fun. I think it's worth, you know, it's worth seeing at night. It's worth getting a babysitter. It's worth seeing with friends. It's a fun movie if you don't take it that seriously. Like I said, you know, I think because of Get Out, people might be going into it expecting it to be kind of a social commentary or something like that. It's not that. It's just a lot of good horror, kind of like twisty, Twilight zone fun. So, damn, I just hit my mic. I hope that doesn't sound crazy. But anyway, so that's it for this week, y'all. I really appreciate you um, hanging with me once again. So until next week, you know what it is. Be cool. Be kind. Be creative. And in the words of my fave. Be your damn self. <laughs> All right, y'all. See you next week. Love y'all. Bye.